It's Thursday, July 1st, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears. This is David Osmond for Radio Free Oz, and I'm backstage just uh, off the main set of Afghan Gladiator. That's that hot new TV show that gives returning vets from AFPAC a chance to go back for another tour of counterinsurgency. Exciting show, and here's the winner of tonight's contest, the former National Guardsman who already revolved through eight tours over there. It's PTSD First Class Crystal McStanley. Well, tell us something about yourself, Chris. Uh, yes, sir. Well, um, I joined the Marines when I was 18 for on-the-job training, and it sure was because, uh, like, uh, three days later, I was in AFPAC. Oh, really? I want to go back, but they said I'm too used up, so I guess I showed them up. Well, I guess you did. Well, Ed, you, you must have brought home some souvenirs or something from your last tour, right? Yeah, PTSD, night sweats, the crabs, and I used to be a woman, but the Army took care of that last time I, I looked. Oh, really? Well, that's sad, yet there's something comfortably ironic about about that, too, Chris. But tell us all about the Afghan Gladiator Challenge. Well, sure, sir. First, there's the uh, pop-up firefights. Uh-huh. I get five points for every turban, and, and I lose five for every CD. That's collateral, collateral damage. Yeah. I ended up just, just over even. Uh-huh. Then there's the uh, IED swamp thing. I had to drain the swamp and replace it with a girls' school uh-huh. without blowing anybody up. Right. Nation building. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And then comes Bribe the Warlord stuff, right. you know. Right. It's uh-huh. tee up or get terminated on the Kabul to freaking nowhere highway. Cost me an arm and a leg. Oh, really? Glad it wasn't mine. Uh, well, me too. Say, you survived those first three t- challenges, and, and but 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 how did the big show end up? It ended up, man, in the poppy field. You know, you have to dream your way out of it. Really? It's kind of like the war itself, huh? Well, tell me, how, how'd you do it? Well, I use my big jar here of Fratricade. It's, it's a meth-enhanced electrolyte replacement system, and it keeps me up all day. Because, yeah. see, over there, they, they, they own the day uh, and the night. It really oh. doesn't matter. Well, uh, so wait, you, you won something, though, besides the, the tour to go back. Yeah, right? I get this case of Bud Light Lime. That's enough to get the general from Paris to Berlin in my new Hummer. The Army gave you a Hummer? Well, just the down payment, but it's got robusted air conditioning and skin seats. Well, so cool. that's your job. It's not, not a tough one. You're just driving the general. No, huh? sir. Our orders are to clear hold and forget about it. Well, but what about winning the war? There's no winning, sir. It's uh, uh, just survival. Well, PTSD, First Class Crystal McSamley, that's just what you've done on Afghan Gladiator today. So from me to you, good luck on your way back to Stan. Thanks, sir. By the way, all those countries over there are called Stan something. What does that mean? Did they tell you what that means? Yeah, sir, Stan is Muslim for pain. Afghani pain, Uzbekis pain, Paki pain, Missouri pain. <laughs> well, no pain, no gain. Yeah, well, lots of one and uh, none of the other. But, it, but it's a good war, sir. Uh-huh. I already signed up my unborn children to... Go over there and forget what I'm going to go over and uh, clear and hold. Well, it sounds like you've got it all under control, uh, Stan. And and, and this is uh, David Osmond for Radio Free Oz here at the Bob Hope Studios in Burbank, California. Okay, Radio Free Oz. Once again, here we go. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, our co-host, David Osmond. Hi there, Pete. You know, that that music behind us makes me feel lustful in my heart. What was it Jimmy Carter said? Lust in his heart. Lust in his heart. People just didn't understand the man. He was just, he was too too Baptist for this country. Yeah, you know, and not not so conservative, just 
just Baptist, just kind of one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. right. And one was enough. Yeah, I guess so. Well, didn't get didn't reelected anyway. You know, I got something on fears for you. You know, everybody's afraid of something. That's the way the country works these days. Right. Fear them up. Fear them up. Right. Well, they took a um, uh, uh, one of those surveys in the, in England yeah. as to what the top. Uh, Phobia. Fears, phobias were in in England, and yeah. here's the top three, Pete. See what you think. Uh, number one was spiders. Really? Yep. Number wow. one, no uh, spiders. Number two was needles. Uh huh. And I don't mean needles, California. Either. No, you don't. Ne- spiders and needles. Okay, okay, put those together. Okay, here's number three. Clowns. Oh, clown phobia is always in the top 10. Doesn't surprise me. In America, it's not spiders. The number one phobia is talking in front of a group of strangers. It comes in first over drowning, burning to death, and falling off a building. That's absolutely true. You know, that's just just where Americans are at. They would rather burn to death than stand up and talk to a group of strangers. Well, not us, Pete, because that's what we're doing right now. My fear is standing up and talking to a group of spiders that have needles and look like clowns. But I'm a complicated kind of guy. Talking about complications, let me give you just briefly the background on this whole, you know, McChrystal's gone. Hey, McChrystal's Mm -hmm. gone. One more round. Broke the McChrystal ceiling. Yes, he did. And they replaced him with Dave. David Petraeus, who fainted when he heard that he'd been replaced. And there's that picture of him, you know, appearing with Biden and Obama. He's being propped up from behind. Uh-huh. He's actually out cold, and his eyes have been... Maybe it's just one of those cutouts that they have. Could could be. Well, you know, not, nothing, no, no, way to, no better way to keep your uniform clean and without creasing than just be a cutout. Okay. okay sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uniforms. All right. So All right. why, what is it that prompted McChrystal to get into the kind of space where he could give that kind of interview? And, you know, when Rolling Stone called him and said, oh, here are the quotes, yada, yada, he said, okay, yeah, okay. It's like, you know, mass suicide. So it turns out that the Rolling Stone guy was to have an interview with him in Paris uh, uh, on the plane to Berlin. He was going to, like, take this trip. And, you know, it turned out because the volcano erupted, you know, the Iceland volcano Uh, erupted, they had to take a bus, no plane, a bus from Paris to Berlin. And they brought along cases of Bud Light Lime, which is McChrystal's drink of choice. And the reporter says they drank the entire journey, everybody on board, and he became looser and looser and looser, and that's when he began to let it flow, just like any other drunken soldier. Well, you know, why? It may be that he wanted to get out of this job in Afghanistan. Yeah. And the best way to do that was to get drunk and mouth off to a a Rolling Stone guy. Stone. He must have known what he was. Hasn't he ever? No, probably hasn't read Rolling Stone. Gee, that's um. They ought to institute that at West Point. The the Rolling Stone you know, awareness awareness class. class. Yeah. yeah, don't get yourself on the cover of Rolling Stone. My man Carl Levin, senator from Michigan, and Jeff Merkley, Democrat of Oregon, are the principal authors of legislation to strictly limit banks and other financial firms to to make speculative trades 
with their profits. Sounds like common sense to me. I mean, you know, we used to go down to Mr. Brown at the bank. You didn't expect him to be in in the back trading naked derivative credit swaps, you know, while he was shooting himself up with Afghani White. The idea originated, this idea of keeping the banks from making speculative deals with their profits. It originated with former uh, Fed chair and the Obama economic advisor, Paul Volcker. This guy, he's about six foot nine, who strongly backs the Levin Merkley proposal. But they're fighting Wall Street and an array of Democrats negotiating the final bill who want to include a loophole, right? A potentially devastating loophole that would allow these banks to invest in high-risk hedge funds. It's insanity. Aides and members insist it's not just banks pushing for the exemption. They claim that political math in the Senate has given Senator Scott Brown, you know, he's the Republican that got elected in Massachusetts, who supports the loophole, gives him veto power over the entire reform bill. Brown was the 60th vote for the Senate's legislation and has threatened to bolt if the loophole isn't included. Brown's defection would rob Democrats of the supermajority they need to break a filibuster. That's if the if the Republicans really want a filibuster over Wall Street reform at this time with the way that the populace feels about Wall Street reform. It's just part and parcel of the GOP self-destructing in front of our eyes. I mean, you know, Senator Sessions, our man from Alabama, who said, well, I don't think I'm even going to attend the Kagan hearings. Now, he's the ranking minority member on the Judiciary Committee because there's another 1,300 pages of, uh, of stuff from the Clinton White House that they won't release. Yeah, because of... Uh, confidentiality. He has gotten 17,000 other pages on what she's done and what she said. But this is all part of the NOP destroying themselves in front of our eyes, you know. So, okay. So Levin says, on the other hand, he doubts Brown is the new decider. He says, I assume there's going to be some other Republicans that will vote for a a conference report on financial reform. He assumes that. That may be a difficult assumption. This is the first group of of opposing politicians that have voted in a block, 100%, no, almost all the time. But Levin says, it's hard for me to believe that in this setting, that there's not going to be some Republicans, at least, that will vote for reform of Wall Street. If that's true, it means that one person, one Republican, i.e. Brown, is not going to be able to have that kind of impact. And in a bid to limit Brown's leverage, pro-reform groups are pressuring Russ Feingold, who cast a protest vote against financial reform from the left to support the final legislation. They want him to support it if a strong Volcker rule is included in the conference report. And there's every reason to believe that Russ will do that because the, the Volcker rule really is, I mean, that's the line in the sand, okay? It's a line that we have to cross.